Noiros. It's Thursday. It's that, that time of the week. Boy, is Friday here yet? Am I right, Dan? I, I always think that way. But also, the way that you said that kind of reminded me of in Wayne's World when, like, the, when they sell out. And he's like, it's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> With him, as always, is Wayne's Garth. Wayne's World. Yeah. Welcome to, the, welcome to the show. I'm uh, <laughs> Great start. Joey Campbell. And with me, as always, is uh, Dan Algar. <laughs> I like that. Actually, has a nice, nice ring to it. All right, hey, there you go. We're we're legally changing our names. So next time you see us, check our licenses, check our paperwork. You know, not just our our vaccination cards, but uh, you know, our new license, our new identities. Yes, I'm I'm definitely the Garth in this partnership. I I would say I only just did it because I do the intro, so I took on the Wayne Wayneness. But I think in life, I think I, I, I definitely identify more with Garth. <laughs> I would not say that, but fair enough. I, I will say as a kid, I, I would have probably preferred to have been Garth. I loved Garth, you know. Yeah, so, he's great. I, there's nothing wrong with Garth. He can, he can drum. Got great glasses. Uh, he's funny. Gets into all those hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he likes great bands. I, I, I remember watching that movie later on and didn't notice that in Angel 2, when they go to meet Del Preston in England... He's wearing a Todd Rungan shirt. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh. Like, kind of a little random because normally he's wearing like either like metal tees or like Aerosmith, Aerosmith tees or something. Yeah. yeah. And then like I saw, I, I noticed it because it's like a caricature uh, drawing. I was like, oh, that's a pretty rad because I, you know, I, I love Todd Rungan. So I was like, oh. It's... It was always funny with like Wayne's World and Beavis and Butthead and um, even Bill and Ted because they wear some, some crazy like 90s Van Halen shirts in the second one I remember specifically. But like they, their allegiances to the bands you think they would be into, but it's just never made sense with the time. Like they needed something else to represent that. Yeah, I always thought it that was, that was... It's coming from people of that era thinking that that era still could apply, but it's like Aerosmith is pretty whack and yeah. Van Halen's whack now and it wasn't right. Yeah, yeah, we thought that was weird. Yeah, yeah I, always, I always thought that was weird about even like Wayne's World watching that so many times. I was just like, I was like, Aerosmith. I'm like, eh. Yeah. I mean, Alice like, Cooper's cool, whatever. Like, like let's fine. be honest. Well, sure, Feed My Frankenstein. That song is kind of awesome. It I, is. I, I, I kind of <laughs> like that song. But it's only kind of awesome because we love Wayne's World and saw yeah. it so much that became a part of us because I'm sure everyone who saw that was cringing in the theaters. Probably. Absolutely. And I will say the lineup of Wayne Stock is pretty whack. I don't know, man. Jim Blossom's play and Matthew Sweet. That stuff's good, but their headliners are, are rough. I mean, Aerosmith, yeah, obviously not not so much. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, well, it's, it's a bummer that those bands didn't actually, they didn't show them playing. And actually, there's a, a story about how uh, Nirvana actually got asked to be a part of that and to be one of the bands coming out of a limo. And apparently they turned it down last minute. Like they were like talking about it and they turned it down. That'd be super weird, I think, for like Nirvana yeah. to be in that. Maybe Wayne's World 1, that would work, but not Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Um, but I, I always loved that Jim Blossoms was one of the bands because I love Jim Blossoms. So I remember always when they would pop out, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm Aren't they from Illinois area? No, they're actually from Arizona. No, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a little boring. I think I did know that actually when I was yeah. Wikipedia in their very sad story with their great songwriter who decided to tap out a little little earlier yeah yeah he was the guy that wrote like the jammers you know like he wrote yeah there's he's the reason why gin blossoms were never good after that with you know maybe uh till i hear from you is that i'll say that that's on follow you down were like the two good follow you down yeah both i mean until i hear from you was for empire records which was after the fact too but yeah those two songs notwithstanding i think everything else is pretty meh yes but and it's a shame experience. because I feel like we all were rooting for that, you know, because what they gave to us that worked was so potent and powerful. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Numizel Experience is a great record. It is. I have the tape, Dan. That was the first CD I ever owned. That was the first CD I ever owned. Yeah. Mine was The Color and the Shape by the Foo Fighters. That's cool. Yeah, I still I think, have a fondness for that record, despite thinking that Foo Fighters are very awful and cheesy. I tried listening to that record uh, a couple years ago for the first time in a while, and just it did not hold up for me. Like, I, I think the first record held up for me a little bit more. Like, I think I had a little bit more of a connection to that growing up, the, the self-titled one. But is it because Greg Dooley's on it? It sounded more... makes everything great. You like Afghan wigs, Dan? I do, but I don't think I wouldn't consider myself like a, like a huge or hardcore fan of them. But I like what I know. You're not a that. member of the congregation, as we call ourselves. Exactly. They're like my top five bands. I love oh, really? Afghan wigs. Oh, big, big Afghan wigs. Oh, fan. see, I I didn't know that. I'm learning learning about you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I think my equivalent would probably to them would probably be like Shudder to Think. Like love oh, Shudder to Think film. as well. I'm, yeah. I could play with that. Um, seeing Craig Wedron was. Seeing him play live was a great experience of mine. Where did you see, where did you see him at? I lived in Portland, Oregon. It was when I had first moved there, and he was touring on, I guess technically Lapland, uh, okay. which was on Team Love. But he didn't play too. Much. He played all like the slower songs from it, which was pretty shocking. And then a bunch of Shudder to Think songs. And uh, the Dead Science opened. They became friends of mine because of that show. They blew me away. Cool. Uh, the the bassist Jarek Bischoff. He does like a bunch of string arrangements for everyone now, like Angel Olsen and. Everybody, wow. everybody is a big deal, but they were great. One of the best bands in the world. I encourage everyone to check out the Dead Science from Seattle, Washington. Um, but yeah, it was a great show. I was a big, big fan of that Lapland record. Actually, I, I, I still like it. I listened Lapland's to it cool. recently. It's catchy. It's catchy. It's weird, and uh, I do. Do Harm's that. a great song. That's yeah, my favorite. yeah, that song's it, great. It's it's just really good, and I think it kind of just came out at a, the wrong time. And I think people should revisit that. It's good. Have you ever checked out? Do you know about Mind Science of the Mind? which is uh I do it was not. so mind science of the mind was an offshoot of shutter to think it was nate larson who played guitar in shutter towards the end and married was, to nina from the cardigans correct it was also, him. he also does the lyrics with her yes 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 yeah he does like a lot of scores from movies as well but cardigans him. in my top five as well see we're, we're oh, knocking them down yep. here we go here we go Big cardigans fan so it's him it was what's his name the drummer uh kevin march who also now plays in gotta be voices Joan Wasser from Jonas Policewoman and Mary Timoney were all in the band. Ooh. And Jeff Buckley actually was their touring bassist before he died. Wow. Um, and they basically sound like they're basically what like. What year was this? 96. They, all, they had wow. one record that came out on Sony on the same Mary label. Mary Timoney in 96. That's like. I mean, exactly. She's like, amazing. She's still getting better and better. That XX stuff is so good, but that's, that's cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, Get, get you some good tracks to check out because yeah, they're, they're like a super, like not talked about at all, but they, they're basically like shutter to think junior. Like it, it's very oh, cool. similar, but you got Nate Larson singing. That he's, era for everyone too. Exactly. Oh, he sings in it. Wow. Yeah. He, yeah. Nate, Nate, he's like the main guy. It's like his main project. So oh, cool. Um, yeah. I think you'll like it. I'm going to say I'm pretty, I know I like it already. Like, you yeah. know, sometimes things are a sure thing and this one sounds right on my Exactly. Mind. Like when I heard about it, I uh, like, I'd been a, a shutter fan for a while and then I found out about it randomly and I was like, when I heard like of all of the people involved and like what it was about, I'm like, yeah, I pretty much know I'm probably gonna like it. And it pretty much lives up exactly to what you would think it sounds like. Um, That's great. Hey Dan, yeah. I'm gonna open this soda. I was gonna hide it, but you know what? I'm gonna let the listener come in. Did I you hear that? that? Sound. I love that sound, yeah. I'm gonna leave the cap off from now on, but. What, what kind of soda is it? I can't even say. I'm having myself a cherry vanilla Coca-Cola. Dude, that's my new favorite, man. I, I'm, I'm loving it. I had, the first time I had it, I was like, I don't like this and I'm never having this drink again. And then like the next day I had a craving for it. And, <laughs> uh, 
I love them. Yeah. It got you. They got you. You know, it's like that one friend in life. Uh, I have one person in particular. He's, he's a Dan as well. Is it uh, me? <laughs> it's not you. It's absolutely not. Because I, when I first met this Dan, I did not like him whatsoever. I'm like, I will never like this guy. He came in too hot. Oh, wow. A little too close to the sun. A uh, bit of an Icarus, if you will. Oh. And then uh, by like date two or three, this guy wore me down. I, I love Dan. Dan's one of my all-time favorites. So oh. shout out to Dan. Shout out to the Dans of the world. They're great. I got a lot of you. You know, if I was a kid in the hall, Dave's I know, uh, that would be my song. And you know what? We're going to use that as a segue for Dave Foley. I believe you have some, some Dave Foley news in your life. I do. It, great segue. I, I like how you did that. Um, Thank you. So upon your recommendation, I checked out the 1997 cinema known as... Uh, classic in my cl- Classic cinema. The Wrong Guy, which uh, I actually had never heard of. No um, one has. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it kind of bummed me out because watching it, I feel like this is a movie that my brother and I, the humor was very much like my brother and I growing up. Like the stuff mm-hmm. that like we would make, make fun of about the movies it was spoofing. Like sure. it, it was like almost like it was coming from our mouths. Like it, like it felt very familiar to me, even though I'd never seen it before. And I, I liked that because a lot of the humor was very much my brother and I style of humor growing up. It's, so like, it's just very much a lost classic where you kind of get, you almost feel like you were robbed of this movie because it's just, it, it fits in that place. It's perfect. Yeah. It holds up and it's just so clever and. Uh, Interesting cast choice. I mean, I mean, I love absolutely. Joe Flaherty uh, and he's in it. You got Jennifer Tilly. Who's awesome. I love that the bank were like the good guys and the farmers were the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so much weird stuff. Yeah. You got, you should seek that out. It's out on Kino Lorber. They're killing it. And that was, it was great to see that show up on Blu-ray. So next time you see a sale from them or going blind, highly recommend that movie. I'm trying to think, what's the other main guy's name? The guy that played, he's like one of the, like the main writer and, and, and he's also. Uh, yeah. He was the guy that was on uh, Malcolm in the Middle, like the. David Anthony Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah. his character was hilarious as like the lead detective. Yeah. Uh, at, at the one point where he was just like, oh, I give up. <laughs> and, and like the other times where he would go to different like locations and, yeah, and he would always be like he's like investigating a restaurant and, yeah you know. he, yeah he goes to new york city to go to a restaurant <laughs> into a show even though it's like completely the like opposite direction of where the action's actually going it's yeah, it's so it's, good it's, it's a very clever movie all around dave foley should have been a huge star with that one because uh, you know it was a crowd pleaser and something happened you know what it made me think of too uh, another i feel like it's fairly underrated movie from that era that that uh he's also in is blast from the past which uh, which is like yes. an all-time personal favorite of mine and sure. he's pretty funny in that too he has a smaller role but he is very funny in that movie and i i've always loved that movie since it came out also his uh second team up with brendan fraser monkey bone soon after i've never seen that actually i'll admit i've never seen that movie it's okay is it okay? Yeah, I had I was very like I haven't seen it. it since you know kind of sh- it showed up on cable. Yeah, and I caught it. and I was like, this is okay. Yeah, it seemed no like idea that kind of movie. Up. That seemed like a TBS like Saturday afternoon replay kind of movie that you. Oh, were- the Superstation. Yeah, the Superstation. Yeah, very very funny. Yes, very very <laughs> funny. But yeah, so I, I that was one, number one of two recommendations. See, I, all right, so so far I have not wasted your money. I hope I am two for two. I, yes. this, especially because I know the second recommendation is very risky. Yes. Very risky. I may owe you some money, so <laughs> please do tell. So I actually I could probably spend the the rest of this podcast today talking about this movie and probably not talk about all of my thoughts and feelings on this movie. It could be a bonus episode, Dan. Could be. But Southland Tales was a trip, man. I, yes. 
I, I don't think I can I guarantee really, that. It, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Mulholland Drive in a way, like in, in a sense that. It's, it, it's it, definitely like an accidental lynch. Yeah, it felt like it, in the way that Mulholland Drive is like is like a puzzle that you can never really fit all the pieces together. You kind of get a little bit of a sense of it, but you mm-hmm. can't exactly pinpoint everything about it. And I felt like this movie kind of was in a similar It's almost like thing. stream of consciousness, but like yes. but it also has like a a plan and a plot. But Yeah, and the cast was super fascinating to me. I mean, you got everybody from from Justin Timberlake, Mandy Moore to The Rock, you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar, you've got John Lovitz in like a serious role. Sherry O'Terry. Sherry O'Terry. Yeah, it's just like, uh, uh, just unreal cast. I didn't Wallace like it. Wallace Shawn. Which Wallace cut Shawn, did you go? Yeah. What cut What cut did you go with? Theatrical? So yeah, so we should mention that Arrow recently put it out on Blu-ray and there's two cuts. One is the yes. uh, the theatrical release and one is the can cut, which is like, I think it's like an extra like 40 minutes or 30 minutes. Yes, or something like I that. believe it, there's um, enough there that it's it's a whole different cut. Yeah, I decided to go with the theatrical first. I just wanted to get a sense of like what the theater experience would have been for the, the un, unassuming film buff like, like I mean, myself would have experienced. The version I had been recommending throughout the years up until this moment. And yes. And still maybe so. I'm, I'm not sure. So, so I think bottom line for me is at first, I didn't know how I felt about it because it's very, it's almost like an antagonizing film because it has a lot of great ideas, but it's very off-putting because you, you can't find a good in to like the plot or the movie itself. It makes it, it kind of makes it challenging to kind of immerse yourself in this world, which is a fascinating and interesting world, but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily fully hashed out or explained very well. But once it goes and you kind of get the rhythm of it and how the rhythm is not a standard Once you're just alone for the ride at that point. Right, yeah. exactly. And I, again, same way I felt, I feel about Mahalan Drive, mm-hmm. then you can kind of appreciate it for what it is. And, and mm-hmm. I think I had a similar feeling about that by the end of it. I think by the end of it, kind of thinking about it after the fact, I was like, you know what? I think I can appreciate it. It would definitely be something I would want to watch again. So I feel like- You were like, I'm not going to commit suicide because I'm a pimp. Yeah. Pimps never commit suicide. The ending was fascinating, man. It yes, just, sir. It, it, yes, it went, sir. It went out in a very like almost Repo Man kind of way. Yeah. I, that's a great comparison. Yeah, which is like one of my all-time favorite movies. That's definitely like a top 10 movie for me. So you, are, you're you okay with your purchase? I did not waste yes. your money again. Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's so fascinating and it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Like you're going to continue to Southland Tales and uh, really yeah, evolve I, with it. It's exactly, and that's that's exactly how I felt about it. And you know what? It's just like with anything, like I just, I am just a film guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I am a film buff. So like for me, it's like, I'm always willing to explore something that might be a little bit challenging or a little bit different than just like your standard, like a Marvel movie or something like that. You know, sure. like I, I, even like a very linear movie or something. Like I, I, I appreciate it for the art and something that could be different, you know, and, Absolutely. and, and I like that about this one. So yeah. I, Two I, lost classics, Dan. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I got another one coming up tonight that I'm going to watch uh, another, uh, another recommendation, which uh, I've been holding on to that you've been, I think you've been, I think you mentioned this one like the first times we ever talked about films. I think this, from, from this, this moment I met you, pretty much is maybe you know like my second or third favorite movie, and and in many ways my favorite movie. Um, it's just it's amazing, you know. And I recommend to everybody don't read any synopsis, don't read the back of the box, just mm-hmm. put the disc in, hit play, and watch this movie. I believe actually the the Blu-ray Kino cut is on to be or about to be, okay. according to the director who I am semi friendly with. I guess we should mention what movie this is. Uh, Miracle this is Mile. Miracle Mile, yep. One of the greatest thrill rides of all time. I do enjoy a good thrill ride. It's the 80s. Tangerine Dream is going to do the soundtrack. What more do you need? You're exactly. In. Watch it. Done. 
sold. They they made man, they made some good soundtracks, man. I, just I follow them. Like you could you just look at their filmography and that's yeah. a good time right there. That's There's the, your letterbox. The, the trail's laid out by Tangerine Dream. Absolutely. Follow the trail. That's what we're saying. We are, yep. Like a trail of candy to a delicious uh, house in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess, yeah. It'll do in a pinch. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Dan. I watched two movies of note. Well, not of note, but just enough where I'm talking about them. I'll get the first one out of the way. Boy, that Godzilla vs. King Kong. What a stinker. Was it? It just was no fun. And uh, they did King Kong pretty dirty, I got to say. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it ended okay, but the, it, the ride to get there was... Oof. So do what you got to do. You know what you're in for, but it's slightly worse than that. You just want these monsters to fight, and boy, if that's not happening. But I watched a movie called I Want to Live the other night. Is it a movie about the Ramones? (laughs) Sure. I want to live. I had texted you about this movie, Dan, because it had popped up, and I was like, oh, it was on TCM. I was just, it just Mm. caught that it was coming on. It was Robert Wise, who we've been enjoying some of his films throughout this podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. You were unable to watch, but I will say good news. TCM will be running it in a few weeks. Too late by the time this comes out. But for you, Dan, here's a tip. Thank Sorry you. from the future, everybody else. But find <laughs> this movie. It's called I Want to Live! Exclamation point. 1958, Robert Wise, starring Barbara Graham. My heart was just sunk the entire time. It was incredible. Really? Oh, my God. One of my instant all-time favorite movies. It, it was so good. Wikipedia says it might be a noir, so maybe we'll get into it. But it's about a prostitute who gets wrongly convicted for murder. She's on death row, and it's incredible. She won an Oscar for it. Wow. There you go. Cannot recommend this movie enough. Susan Hayward? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I, will, I, I wanted to check it out. Trust me, I, was, I, I, I did read about it. I understood it and... the circumstances. I hope that maybe this the rewatch can happen for you, the, the re-airing. I would definitely be interested in watching this, uh, this for sure doesn't seem to i was hoping it'd have some warner archive blu-ray of it but it doesn't but there is some some blu-ray from some company i didn't look too deep into it so i might get that i liked it a lot cool yeah i'll i will definitely check that out i'm curious how you like this movie dan because i'm gonna say right off the bat and i was a little late to come to the podcast because of this i've never had to work harder for a movie really i went to the wikipedia last night because i was like oh boy i hope this isn't another blood on the moon or one of those where they give me nothing to work with and i struggle and boy if they gave me three paragraphs that were bullshit <laughs> so this morning before recording this podcast i rewatched the movie and was typing up the plot as it happened wow i love you the viewer and my friend dan doing doing the work man doing, doing I, did, the work. I did the work i hope everything pans out maybe the trivia won't be as fun because i put so much into the plot summary but i, I, I did wanna, my best guys because if you go to out. wikipedia and look it's it's bullshit what they do yeah, i should no, even post I, I what i wrote it. i should be the guy who saves everyone that's just what i was gonna say maybe you should maybe you should uh replace whatever the uh whoever wrote the other one because yeah i mean there's literally nothing in that plot and i'll the, consider the it but there's a there's a good chance i just hit delete on this one and move on <laughs> wow wow it was exhausting what and was so it much the, the movie or, the, thought, or writing it? <laughs> writing it. I thought so much could, you know, was happening. I'm like, oh, I, I just watched this last night. I could coast a little bit, but it was like, oh, nope, that's a good point. I should get that. I should get that. And There's so many characters in this movie. <laughs> yes, there is. Did you like this movie, Dan? Crossfire? I did. I did like this 1947. I like this movie a lot. I, yeah. uh, 
Great I was instantly cast. drawn in right from the beginning. The cast is so good. I love how it all plays out. Yeah. I mean, the I opening would, the opening scene is, I mean, that if that doesn't draw you in, like... Exactly. I, that was my first note was just like, wow, that opening scene, I'm all in. And yeah, I was like, I hope I don't get let down at any point because I know just from that opening scene, I had like hyped it up from within. I, there's, I have no complaints and that's why I was willing to do the work for this great movie. If it was anything else, I'd be like, yeah, it happened and it was bullshit. If it was Postman, that, that's not happening. Thankfully, Postman is, for some reason, so highly regarded. I didn't have to work hard on that one. <laughs> yes. No, I, I liked it. I liked it. I, I thought... Three Roberts in this Yeah, movie. I was going to say, like, I was thinking, like, the, the best way to put it, either, like, the triumvirate or, like, Holy Trinity of, of Roberts or the, <laughs> the, the Mount the, Rushmore. Exactly, of, the, of, the Robert Moore. More Robert. Yeah, I mean, three great Roberts all in the same movie. I, I really like, I mean, obviously Mitchum goes without saying, but uh, yes. Robert Ryan, I really like a lot too. Robert Ryan was great. And yeah, um, yeah feel bad for poor Robert Ryan because he was very regarded for this role that he did not believe in the, the same prejudice. He's like the exact opposite of this character, yeah. which is fascinating. I feel like that is the case with so many people. Like with like Widmark, we, we found out that he's a good guy and he always plays a scumbag. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. That's what you want. You Actors, you know, boy, you really you really fall for it. Yeah, no, he does a great job. And he, even Robert Young, I like, I actually really like Robert Young in a, there's a film noir that was covered on uh, Noir Alley. The, I think it's called They Won't Believe Me. And, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, and it's, it's like great impossible. It, it is, and it's impossible to find, but I love that one instantly. Like watching on Noir Alley, I was like, wow, this movie's awesome. And he's the star in that movie and oh, you great. can't find it anywhere. It's like, it's like you can get on VHS and there's like a, a questionable DVD version of it. I wonder how the VHS is. If it's that's better. what I wonder too, because I mean, it seems like it's like a very legit. Like, do you have a VCR, Dan? I do. We I, might maybe we're doing a VHS podcast one of these times. Exactly, that would be a nice thing. But yeah, I I definitely recommend everyone check that. I mean, hopefully we get the chance to do it as well. But that's another one that Robert that Robert Young was in that I really enjoyed. But yeah, he's he's good in it too. Is uh, was it Finley? Finlay, Detective Lieutenant Captain yes. Captain. Yes. I was going to say Detective rank. Lieutenant Driven, <laughs> Detective Police Squad, Detective Sergeant Police Squad. Crossfire was directed by Edward Dimitrik, produced by Adrian Scott, who those two would later be part of the Hollywood 10 because their refusal to name names. Right after this movie, pretty much. Right I mean, after this yeah, movie. And they say this movie was nominated for many Oscars and didn't win any, which it was actually the only Best Picture Oscar nominee from that year to not win any awards. And they think that's why that, that had a reason to do with it they did get a lot of nominations like i went through the listings and stuff like that best yeah, they, picture yeah. best director best supporting actor for robert ryan best supporting actress for gloria graham, or graham. and best writing adapted screenplay to john paxton yeah for it's a lot for like a b it's a b movie too i mean it was it, the old, it was the first b movie to be nominated for an oscar yeah i mean this is i mean it shows you like how rko you know, our old friends yeah how good it was man and this was right before Out of the Past, if you need to know where Robert Mitchum was. He was pretty hungry for a good role at this point. He actually said that he, he wasn't too fond of this, this one because he just felt like anyone could have played it. Yeah, but it was I think he did him. a great job. And I, I think, honestly, it's the opposite. Anyone could have played him and it would have been fine. And like any most of the other characters in the movie with exceptions. But because it was him, it made it such an interesting character because that's just who he is. He elevates anybody he plays. He's such a unique character you know <laughs> it's just in general you know just like his Absolutely. presence his voice yeah so john paxton adapted this from the brick foxhole uh 1945 novel from richard brooks who actually was friends with robert ryan mm -hmm. they served together and he wanted in on this role 
rightfully so. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting as you know we'll, we'll get into it, but just the the whole post war thought process. I think for everybody, just the the fallout essentially from that of everybody coming home, and that and that becomes a major. They tackle a lot theme. of new things yeah. with this movie for sure. I mean, you get anti semitism, and oh boy, do you ever. Um, yes. And also, yeah, just soldiers trying to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. Like, post war. Yeah, how to come down from that. Had to come back to and go back to yeah. old lives. A lot of them returning to, to wives and jobs they left behind. Wives and lives. Wives and lives, baby. So we open with a great fight and it's all in the shadows. And a lot of they say because this film, you know, it is a film noir. A lot, you know, sure there's a murder, but also because of it's so in the shadows and in the dark. But that was actually because of budgetary reasons. It was, it was an accidental noir, this one. Yep, but it works so well. So well. And yeah, it's instantly, like me and Dan were saying that fight in the shadows just draws you right in. You're like, this is going to be great. Very, very cool. And then we cut to the aftermath of the murder. Is it wrong that I prefer that they've, that you, to see a fight like that shot that way versus actually seeing the fight? Like it's, it's weird to think about like, cause sometimes I feel like nowadays you're so, people are so drawn into like all these like epic fight scenes. So like that, I personally like, you know it's happening and you kind of see some remnants of it, but you're not actually seeing the fight really. I mean, you're seeing the shadows of it. Yeah, um, or, you know, sometimes when they cut to, like, someone's reaction as a fight right. is happening in the background, I always, like, yeah. Did you watch the special feature on this, this Blu-ray? I, I did. I did as well. It was, um, I'm happy to see it there, and it was, there we go. It's right here, sir. I love our Blu-rays. Yes, it's called, if, I'm, if I have it right here, why not? Crossfire, hate is like a gun, which is a very memorable line, and, of course, it's on the poster. It's, like, eight minutes, and it was, it was a very nice touch. I liked it, and they were talking about a lot of this stuff in that they were forced to be subtle because of the censors who were all over this script from the beginning. It worked in its favor. For subtlety, it was very, very good. Yes. I liked it, yes. I agree with you. I, you don't want every fight in the shadows, but you make your significant fight, your murder fight. Right. Put that there for sure. So yeah, just a questionable, who knows what's going on? Some sort of fight happened. Then we cut to the aftermath, like I said. And you see the police investigator who's named Captain Finlay, which is Robert Young. He is there. And Joseph Samuels, who's played by Sam Levine, is dead. The victim's girlfriend is there. That's Miss Lewis, who's played by Mario Dwyer. And I thought she was actually going to play more into this. I, yeah, I she say. was very, very limited role in this. I kind of caught with my second viewing the next day a little more that it was set up that she just was unable to be there. But it, it just did feel like she was going to come back. But that's all right. We don't need her. There's an, like we were saying, there's a lot of people in this. We got to get through them, so that's okay. Yeah, we got, um, we got Gloria Graham, so I think, I think we're absolutely. okay. Absolutely. <laughs> we're going to nominate that one for an Oscar. But Miss Lewis, she has a great horrified look on her face. While she was there, she was well used, I will say. Mm-hmm. She did a great job with what she had. And, yeah, she's, they're just finding out that she left. She wasn't here for this because she went to go get changed. They were going to go get dinner. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, he was already dead. And then Montgomery shows up, who's played by Robert Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he's a little shocked by this police presence there. Is this the right room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the wrong door. Uh, wrong door there. As he tends to do, we'll find out. But yeah, he, he he's very flustered by this. And Finley instantly just starts questioning him. Hey, what are you doing here? Why are you coming back? What do you want? I'm sorry. I guess I must have the wrong place. What uh, place are you looking for? I thought it was this apartment. I was looking for a buddy of mine. You cops? Was something happened? Tell us about this buddy of yours. When Montgomery is responding, he's not using his... He's trying... He's being very vague. He's like, ah, oh, my buddy, my friend. 
and Finley's trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, he just says like, "Oh yeah, this guy and 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 you know this guy and did this." It's like, yep. what, "What are you talking about?" And Finley's like, "We have a murder here that's not going to do it." Yeah, very suspect. We suspect him from the beginning, and maybe we're right. We'll see. Uh, then we go to a, we see a poker game, and we we see more of these demobilized soldiers. They're looking for Sergeant Peter Keeley, who's played by Robert Mitchum. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be switching between Mitchum and Keeley throughout this, I'm sure. Especially because <laughs> we have a character named Mitch in it. Yeah, I would say just a lot of names trying to keep them all straight. It, it was a little bit, that was probably the most work for me, just like trying to keep everybody straight. Like, oh, what's that guy's name? Okay, so that guy's Mitch, that guy's this, this guy's that. Like, just making sure I have Floyd, for right Floyd, there. rather. <laughs> Floyd, yeah. Yeah, there, there's some people who'll be coming in and out, but there, there's a main group. There's a core group. Follow your Roberts and you're going to be okay. Yep. So, yeah, the, the poker game's interrupted. And Mitch, uh, Mitchum, <laughs> he has to go talk to Finley. And he clearly doesn't like cops. Everyone's very standoffish against Finley. He's just doing yeah. his job. But he is very aggressive, and he's talking over this pipe. Let me ask you, at this point, had they found the wallet? Yes, the wallet was found okay. pretty much instantly. This Because right. they're like, yeah, okay. you know, we found this in the cushions. It was Mitchell's. Yes, which is the main reason why he's a, you know, even a suspect. They're looking right. for him. Correct. And that's why they're calling in Mitchum because they're saying, hey, where is Mitch? Keeley is what I'll keep trying to say, but I'm conditioned mm-hmm. in life to call Mitchum Mitchum. Yeah. He says that Mitch, Mitchell, <laughs> was going crawling, you know, which I took as drinking around town, like a bar crawl, as yeah. we would say now. These terms have been there the whole time. Who knew? And he goes into what the unit is doing now as they're post-war. They make signs. Mitchum used to work for the, the newspaper. What did you do before you got in the army? What's that got to do with it? It might help me understand your answers. I worked on newspapers. Oh. What kind of a job you got now? Ink job. Purple ink. Instead of the purple heart, we get purple ink. And they say, what are you doing now? He's like, ah, instead of purple heart, they give me purple ink. Because I used to work at the newspaper, and Mitch was an artist, and because of that, they let him paint the signs, you know, put the lettering on there. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't think he could have done it because he's he's sensitive. He, everyone was in the the what do you call a gang of soldiers? Service, command? service, yeah. Oh, uh, it, oh, it, yeah. In, in their in their command, yeah. Core. I don't know. Yeah. They all work together. <laughs> they knew each other from work. And, well, I think uh, I mentioned that they're in the the Air Signal Corps, which is like they is like communications. That that's what. Okay. That I think that was what they kind of allude to. Okay. Sure. You're saying he's he's very sensitive. And also, because of this, because he's been, Mitch has been falling apart, Keeley called his wife, which also was being questioned by the cops of why he made a call to Chicago to marry Mitchell. And mm-hmm. he was explaining that he's fallen apart and he wanted her to fly to come see him. Where does this movie take place? Do you remember, Dan? D.C. D.C., okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Should give should have given that context. Missed that both viewings, but DC. <laughs> All good. Yeah, I think they kind of they talk about it a little bit, and then the, the buildings they kind of make it out to look like it's like the capital area. So yes, Mary's on her way, and Mitch was supposed to meet up with Keeley later. He's gonna surprise her with that, surprise him with her rather. Mm-hmm. But then all of this happened. Montgomery shows up as well into the police station, and you could tell him and Keeley they don't like each other. Yeah. Nobody really seems to like Montgomery. I wonder why. He seems like such a nice guy. <laughs> he, he just comes off as a very coarse 
guy in general. Like he just, yeah. and, and you get you get the sense that yeah, like nobody really likes him. Mitchell he doesn't really like anybody. <laughs> nope, nope. It's certain people in particular too. Um, yes, M- Mitchum doesn't trust him at all, and he's Mitch's closest friend, so he knows something's up. And Montgomery then tries to spin everything in his favor to get the heat off him. Yeah, he starts to weave a tale. So there's three. This story will keep playing out, but there's three soldiers at the bar. There's Mitch Montgomery. I might call him Montgomery Monty as he gets known as throughout the film. Why not? And Floyd Bowers, who's played by Steve Brody, which is a great name. Mm-hmm. They're getting very, very drunk. And uh, Leroy is also there. He's a friend of Floyd's who he's just there long enough to spill a drink on Miss Lewis and get everyone to meet. Yes. And, and Montgomery, his story, he's telling himself how charming he is and how he's like, ah, I'll handle this. And he, he also says, One day one of the men complains to me that he had swiped from him a wristwatch that his mother sent him. His mother sent him. Half these guys, I think, got no mothers. They got no respect for the service. You can always tell a man by how he don't have respect for the service. He don't respect the service. He don't respect his mother. <laughs> he starts going on, ah, $1,000. And Floyd hears that. He's like, well, I had 1000 bucks," And, you know, it goes into his sob story and, gets Monty caught up in it. When he goes to look over, Sammy's gone and he's gone over to Mitch because they, they clearly take a liking to each other for reasons we'll find out later. And they leave together. And Montgomery and Floyd decide to follow because you know they think they can still keep the good time going, mooch some booze. At this point, we find out that Montgomery he has a hatred for Jewish people. As he's telling his story, he, he lets a little bit of that prejudice out. Yeah. It's yes. One of the first movies to tackle this kind of subject. I think it does it very well. Yeah, I, I think so. The people who are saying these things are very bad. They're clearly bad guys. And hey, maybe they'll get their just desserts, huh? Hopefully. Hopefully. Finlay seems to be pretty suspicious of Montgomery As he right from be. the start. As he should be. He just needs the proof. You know, He's trying to find a motive. He'll, yes. he'll get into that later, but he loves motives. Who, who, does, who does it? Yeah, right? <laughs> So he's just going to kind of let things play out in the meantime because he he has no idea how to what angle to approach this from at the meantime. Yeah. So including letting Montgomery leave him to Floyd. Mitchum in the meantime he goes looking for Mitch. Keeley goes looking for Mitch. I'm so sorry. This is, I, I hope that's not too confusing. I keep saying Mitchum and Mitch, but yeah. Dan can give me a tisk tisk if, if anyone's really worried about it. <laughs> and we could always you could always overdub yourself later on. Yes. <laughs> in, in post. Keely goes looking for <laughs> Mitch. Or I um I call Mitch um who's the guy that plays them? Yeah, George Cooper. Yeah. Arthur Andrew. Mitchell. He's so far down on this cast list that he, which is weird because he's such a big part of the movie. Yes. Like he should be above Ginny. I mean, like Ginny, of course, was a phenomenal performance, but it's so brief comparatively. Yeah, I mean, he's a major linchpin in the film, pretty much. His wife has a yeah. higher billing. I guess because out of everybody, just him and Miss Lewis do not have a page going to their Wikipedia page, a link, rather. So, yeah, just a brief moment in time. I, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to research what happened to Mitch. I, now I'm curious. So check our next episode for an addendum if, if I find out anything of note. Yes. Keely is looking for Mitch. And he sends the whole gang to go out looking for him and to also keep an eye out for Montgomery and Floyd. But he definitely wants to find Mitch before the cops find him. Mm-hmm. We see Mitch, he's walking throughout the town. He's still kind of coming out of his drunken haze. He runs into some other soldiers and you know, he's sitting down and, and one of them approaches him and says, hey, you all right, blah, blah, blah. And they, they part ways. And then it turns out 
right then he intercepts a message saying, oh, look, be on the lookout for this guy. Yeah, it's military police. So, yeah, so military the, the, police, the, the, yes. police, the police and the military police are both looking for him. They just miss him. So then he goes and heads to a bar. Everybody finds him there, and they make a distraction So because the police are also there. And they need to to get Ke- uh, they need to get Mitch out there. So Keeley sets up a distraction, and they head to the all night theater so they could talk and figure out what was happening. Love the all night theater. That was a great touch. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially at that time, you know, those were a big time thing. Got to keep these soldiers entertained somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's a, they are neat concepts. I, I've never done that before. I mean, they're, they're not really much around anymore, but I mean, yeah. it, is, it is an interesting concept. So we get we get more into the story from Mitch which explains his connection more with Sammy. Uh, they talk peanuts and baseball. He gets into his peanut analogy with the war. That was good. Cut yeah, to like a clip of that. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Very funny. It's worse at night, isn't it? I think maybe it's suddenly not having a lot of enemies to hate anymore. Maybe it's because for four years now we've been focusing our mind on on one little peanut. The win the war peanut, that was all. Get it over. Eat that peanut. All at once, no peanut. Now we start looking at each other again. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't know what's supposed to happen. We're too used to fighting. But we just don't know what to fight. You can feel the tension in the air. A whole lot of fight and hate that doesn't know where to go. A guy like you maybe starts hating himself. Well, one of these days, maybe we'll all learn to shift gears. Maybe we'll stop hating and start liking things again. I like the the idea of the, you know, you got the two uh, flashbacks of the same incident, but from the different perspectives and from the different vantage points and and you get a little bit more of obviously the what the real story is at least as far as what uh mitch has to say about it because i feel like that's a lot more true to what what does happen um even though even though he's inebriated but you get that that whole kind of malaise after the war as far as when they're having the conversation about what do they do coming back like people are looking for a fight and they Mm -hmm. don't know how to like redirect their their like fight mentalities or their energy of that same type and, and it kind of foreshadows a little bit on to the later instances that we'll find out about about monty uh in particular Absolutely. and we'll later find out why sammy is so has some perspective on this kind of thing yes so yes then we find out miss lewis she's gonna go change and then they'll get a bite tea after they'll meet at the place mitch and sammy head to sammy's place and montgomery and floyd find them and then you get you're, you're still in Mitch's memory of everything. So everything is filmed kind of blurry and from side angles. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that was, too That was much. done very well. It was yes, done very, absolutely. very well. And you also see during this time Montgomery becoming more hateful as he gets more drunk. So we should probably continue to be pretty suspicious of that guy, huh? Yes. But he kind of passes out to the point where he doesn't really remember exactly specifically who's hitting who or who's doing what to, to whom, you know, like I think right. it, you, you, there's still a little bit of air, like you have an idea of what happens, but yes. you don't really explicitly, he doesn't explicitly remember it because he was still kind of like, you know, succumbing to the, the alcohol. So. And as the story continues, he is very plastered and he heads to, I guess like a jazz bar. Yeah. It's, and it's like a, it's like a dancing bar. So it's like, you know, you pay 
Yeah, people would pay uh, to dance with with women. Like you know, men would go in and, and pay to to dance and soldiers socialize. mostly. Yeah, mostly soldiers. Yes. yes, and that's where we meet Jenny, who is named that because she's from Virginia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Gloria Graham. Fun fact: Gloria Graham's sister was married to Robert Mitchum's brother. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know if that was the case at this time, but that is a fun little fact I came across. I love Gloria Graham. She's great. She was great. Um, She will turn up a lot on this podcast in the future. Yes. I'm glad we finally got to it because she's she's a big one. Mm -hmm. She's a great one. And uh, this performance in particular was very great. Yes. You can see why she was nominated for an Oscar. So yeah, she works at the bar as one of these these dancers, trying to sell some drinks also. Right. She's very, she's just exhausted. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's been at this for way too long and she doesn't want to hear this guy spiel, but he's honest. He says, hey, I have a wife and I want to dance. Yeah. And she walks away. She thinks he just wants to yap and she doesn't get paid for that. Yeah. Um, and he comes back and <laughs> she calls him corny, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's wrong with me anyway? You're corny. Yeah, they're out in the garden uh, alone, just the two of them. Yes. Uh, yes, this whole scene is, is so great. One of the best of the movies. Mitch is able to charm her still, though, with his artistic stare. You know, he has those eyes. Yeah, she's she notices, like, this vulnerability and, you know, a little bit of it seems like a sincerity in him. Uh, Absolutely. He's not and, like these other yeah, guys. And, right. and that's what everyone's been saying this whole time. He's not – everyone can recognize it. He's just different. He's not a soldier. He's not – Yeah. he's not meant to be there. Yeah. He misses his wife, and he's just trying to find a little connection and just feel something else. Yeah. They dance, and she says, you know what? Why don't you go to my place, take a nap, and I'll make you some spaghetti. Sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, and they kiss, and she says she'll try to get off early. She gives him the key, and if you, if you head out, just lock up and put the key in the mailbox, right? Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah, so he goes there, he good. takes himself a nap, and <laughs> this is, couldn't wait to get into this part, Dan. Oh, man. I, me, oh, me neither. Boy. Oh, boy. You can already hear the, the energy levels on this podcast just fucking rise through the roof. The this character, character coming in. This yeah. character. So, yeah, he takes a nap and he's woken up from a knock on the door from the world's strangest man. I love yes. this character. And he, I'm, he, he's very mysterious and he's not forthcoming with any information. And, uh, and it's so bizarre. Like, How, yeah, lie I, after lie. And by the end of this movie, I'm still not positive what his deal is. Yeah. At all, and I love that. I love that. This guy is I, I think I have a suspicion. I have a theory about him. I don't know if we want to talk about it now or if we want to wait, but... Um, what is I his think, name? So his name, they don't mention in the movie. Is he Mr. Tremaine? But yes, he's Mr. Tremaine. That's okay, Paul, which, well, if I've Kelly. seen Mr. Tremaine, that does imply that maybe they are married. But I don't know if I believe this credit, Dan. But let's hear your theory. So my because theory... He, see, well, I will say, okay. so he, he uh, first says he was a soldier... He's married to her. Who was married to her, but she slept around and he didn't want anything to do with it. So that's why he went to the war. But then he started to miss her and came back, but she hates him. Or then he says, that's a lie. Um, Then I'm actually a guy who just met her at the same joint as you. And I'm obsessed with her, basically. That's a lie, too. I hate her. I don't know. It's just so confusing. But but yes, let's hear your theory. So my theory is that that last one is is what's true. So I I think... He's obsessed with her? Yeah, I don't think he was married to her. I yeah. think he's just obsessed with her. Probably met her at that 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 dance hall bar. Maybe got place. that spaghetti like one time and then just took it the wrong way and kept coming around. Right, exactly. So I feel like he he just kind of like latched onto her and like won't let go. And and he's like obviously that. like a little bit. I mean, like, he's still he's there. Yeah, <laughs> and and he knows his way around. He's like he asked if you want to have some coffee. 
And then he, uh, this whole coffee maker is very fascinating. Oh, um, yeah. Which I found a little bit about. It's a vacuum coffee maker, which was invented in Germany in the 1830s. Mm-hmm. It's also known as a vac pot or a siphon coffee maker. And it brews the coffee using two chambers where vapor pressure forces the hot water into the upper chamber. Yeah, it was weird how things were going up. You yeah. wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, but then it, it does overflow. And you're, at first you're like, is that supposed to happen? But it does say because no one stirred the coffee grounds and turned off the heat that that's why that happened. So as uh, long as you stir it, your science coffee should still be okay. Learn a lot. <laughs> learn a lot about coffee. Bet you didn't expect that, but well, welcome to this show. Here we are. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very cool machine. And then, yeah, so the weirdo guy, he says he's going to go take a nap. And that's when Mitch remembers that Keeley said he wanted to meet up with him mm-hmm. uh, on the night of the town. And he says, I'll kill you if you don't show up. I really want to show you DC. Yep. I do believe they mention it there. Actually. That's one of the mentions, yep. But we find out it's because his wife was coming. That's what Mitchum reveals to him in the All Night Theater. Yes. He says, I was trying to make it a surprise. I could, I could tell you needed this. Now I have to decide how much of this I'm actually going to tell her because you were out with another woman. Yeah. But she and, does end up finding this out. Yes. And Mitchum also has this great line where he says... Keely, what's happened? Has everything suddenly gone crazy? I don't mean just this, I mean everything. Or, or is it just me? No, it's not just you. The snakes are loose. Anybody can get them. I get them myself. But they're friends of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Mitchum is, he elevates such small material in this. It's really great. Yes. Um, for sure. So Floyd, our old friend Floyd, he made a call to someone and he was trying to get money and he sounded real nervous. And so the word gets back to Keeley at the theater, you know, as they're telling the story. And he mm-hmm. says, hey, all right, stay put. And he asks, you want a sandwich or something, which I like. And That's a, no, normal uh, normal food to get when you're on the run. And absolutely. The Just watch yeah. like endless movies and have yourself some, some on the run sandwich. That sounds, you know what, could be worse. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not fun when you're nursing some hangover that must have happened, but if you're that wasted and things have been that depressing, you probably went pretty hard. I mean, obviously you went hard enough where you're wanted for murder. That's, yeah. you know, even if you didn't do it, you clearly had too many. Yeah, I guess I, you know, I would, I would go for a sandwich probably in that scenario. Yes. All right. Sure. That's where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> so uh, Mitchell, he says, I'm going to go talk to Floyd and we're going to hold off on telling the cops this. Let me handle it first. But Monty finds Floyd, and uh, he sees that he's cracking. He doesn't trust him anymore, but Keely does show up in time. He questions Floyd while Monty goes off and hides. He says, mm-hmm. you know, hey, why did you need the money? What happened that evening? And he doesn't trust him. You can tell he doesn't trust him. But he leaves, and Monty, he's still there, and he heard everything, and he's suspicious, he slaps around Floyd, and then he uh, fakes his death, uh, suicide by him. Yes. Very dark scene. Very yeah. cool. And yes, Monty is becoming more and more unhinged and anti-Semitic, right? Yes. Yeah, he's definitely... Well, I mean, like the tagline said, he is like a loaded gun. And they yes. even mentioned that in the film. Uh, it just it just seems like you see, like, you start to see, like, him just really unraveling. And and once again, Robert Ryan detested any form of bigotry. Yes. So, feel bad for him, but, you know, hey, well done. Well done, sir. Let's give you an Oscar nomination, eh? He did play it. He did play it very well. He did like, I mean, you just see like this, like in his face, like you just see like this, like, I don't even know how to describe it. He just has this, this intensity. You know what yes. I mean? And, and, and one and, thing we, you and I learned from watching the special feature is uh, they would shoot him throughout the film with a different lens as he started to deteriorate and become more evil. And, and that was very cool. Yes. 
I think they, the largest one, and then they go down to like, you know, 60 millimeter and then they, like the, by the end or something like that, but there's like a 25 millimeter and you know, all these different size down cameras yeah. um, throughout the picture. I thought that was fascinating. Yes. They, I mean, they, yeah, again, it is a B movie, but they really tried with this one. They got lucky with some, some good talent in the, you know, right before they were all about to, to hit or in, in the case of uh, the Hollywood 10, take a hit, but yeah, you know, a lot of potential with this movie and it, it pays off. Yes. We like this one. Like we said, this one's a good one. Mm-hmm. When, when you get the lads in agreement, that means we're all having a good time. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So Mitchell B heads to the police station and he's left waiting for two hours exhausted the good thing about Mitchum is anytime he has to deal with cops in movies you can tell he summons the time of his life when he was like arrested and on a chain gang like he yeah hates cops it's so good like, <laughs> i don't want to be next to an actor playing a cop and he never played one as far as i know you know private detective that was about it i think didn't he play one in the racket maybe i, I don't he know, did. I haven't seen the racket so oh you haven't seen the racket Ooh. i've not seen the racket Ooh, that's that we gotta add that to the the, the noir list we I might mean, be banging in some pots and pans it sounds like folks that's got Elizabeth Scott. It's got all kinds of all kinds of heavy, friends, heavy huh? hitters. Yep, a lot of lot of old friends. I'm trying to think. There's somebody else really really big in that movie. Hold on, 1951. The, we hear the keys are typing, folks. So it's Nicholas Ray directed it, who's great. Ooh. It's Mitchum, Robert Ryan, Elizabeth Scott, William Conrad, and Ray Collins are all the main. Yeah, I mean it's it's not as good as you would expect it to be with all of that with, with like the pedigree of like everybody in this film. I sure. think part of it's because I think. I remember watching it first. It's a lot of what I was Alley. worried about with this one when I just saw the lineup. I was like, this might not play out. Who knows? I Exactly. I didn't have high expectations for this one, not for any particular reason, but just almost, you know, to protect myself. It was just like, hey, keep it low, just to be on the safe side. But it, it paid off, unfortunately. Yes. It doesn't sound like this other one did, though. I think the or issue was much. This, right. The issue with this one, it had a, a, a uncredited, I think, a total of five directors. So, so that'll it, do it. It, it had, a, it was just a completely mess during the production, but it has elements. It's definitely entertaining. There's a DVD on Warner archive of it. I have that version. So okay. it is, it is available. And yeah. Well, we'll be, wait for the Blu-ray reissue. It sounds like. Yeah. It would definitely be one to do for sure though. I think, I think it would be enjoyable. I'm pretty sure he's. A, a, we have a so many movies that. mapped out by the time we get to it, there may be a Blu-ray. So we'll see. We can only hope. I hope by the time we get to De- our December Christmas noir, that they got the Blu-ray ready for that. That yes. would be a great November release, I would say. Yes, for sure. Keely is waiting at the police station. He, he's there, and they finally tell him to come in, and he says, hey, I found Floyd. And they're like, that, that doesn't matter. We found Floyd, too, and he's dead. But Mitchum, he tells him everything he knows, even that he was out with a girl, out with Ginny. And then that we see that his wife is there, Mary Mitchell. So she hears this, and thankfully, she's more worried about her husband than mad. She seems to mostly understand the situation and also realize that he's got like a murder rap on him mm-hmm. she keeps it pretty cool she, i mean she she comes along with the investigation from here on out mary mitchell played by jacqueline white she did a great job yeah no, i liked her there's just enough of her and uh yeah i like i liked her interaction with Ginny, which we were about to get to i was gonna say like that was probably my favorite part where you really see her character like you really see like yeah. like, like that the dynamic with her uh, in particular with Gloria Graham's character. Well, let me say two things and then I'll get us there, Dan. <laughs> the, so she's like, okay, can I go to the theater? I'd like to talk to him first. And then you guys can go in there. And so they, they have a conversation and uh, Mitch says, lets him know that, hey, Sammy understood what it was like and that it was hard for a soldier after the war to come back to life because, you know, it happened to him. And he realized oh, that's what's been eating at me. He, he has a little more perspective at this point. Yes. 
and a little more peace. And maybe that's because the murder rap's hanging over him, or maybe that's just the clarity from the, the booze leaving, but he's in a better place, this, this man who used to paint murals for the post office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mary says, you know what? I'm also, I'm going to continue my demands, police. Let's, let me go talk to Ginny. I think she'll want to talk to me over a cop. So just hang tight, Finley. But also, a, a wife isn't going to get that much better results as we're about to find out. I was going to say, yeah. And he was very just like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it didn't take much convincing, I think, for him. Absolutely not. But there's, because he's letting everything play out because yeah. he's, you know, he, he has hunches and he, he, he knows basically what he's going for, but he just needs it to, to work itself out. It's going right. to take a, a couple of smart moves, but for the most part, it's just uh, sit back and relax and collect your paycheck, you know? Right. Let it all unfold. Let it all unfold. Um, there's some great lines here, some great patter you get. Tonight's a long time ago. I wouldn't be able to remember. I do like that. Mary's still talking to Ginny. It's not working out, so Finlay comes in, and uh, you get another great line where she goes, Are you a cop or something? What's your name? I don't like cops. Nobody likes cops. <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> Robert Young is so good in this uh, as Finlay. Um, he really understands what the world thinks of him and, and, you know, what the world is, and he's just like, that's fine. I'm just going to smoke my pipe and, and get through this. Yep. Pretty much. Ginny still plays dumb throughout. She's like, yeah, man was here, maybe. But then our friend comes back and uh, he says, yeah, he was here. He provides an alibi. Yeah. And uh, that's great. <laughs> she I, says, lo- I love Go him. Go back to your hole, basically, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love, my favorite part is, you know, he says like, I'll be around if you want me. <laughs> and, and then he's like, and then he's like following him out the stairs. He's like, no, really? Uh, you know, yeah, then he tells, let me know. And then he tells one of his, he tells the soldier lie again, too. He's like, yeah, I know him from, you know, he, again, you cannot trust this guy. And wow, yeah, love that character. More movies need to have guys like him. We're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, like he's useful and he has a, a part, but it's just so random and, and fun. Yeah, no, I, his, his character was just so ridiculous. I loved it. So Finley, he goes back to the station. He's talking to Mitch and he sees that he has no hate, you know, he, he tests him with some bigotry quiz, I guess. Uh, yeah. you know, he, he tests him and he, he shows that he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's Jewish. He didn't know he was Jewish. Yeah. And also Finley's handed a file that says Samuels was actually a soldier and he was discharged due to injury in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. And then Montgomery comes in. Finley says, how'd you know that Sammy wasn't in the army, which he had said earlier that he reveals his prejudice to him even further saying some, awful things about his last name and how he must his status in life yeah because of that stereotyping he is now certain that he killed sammy finley asks if he's spoken to floyd and monty says no but we know that that's a lie so finley concocts a plan and he brings mitchum in on his it's time to work together on this Mm -hmm. and uh he says i'm looking for motives i love motives this is where you get his motive spiel yeah you know it's hard because none they were all strangers to this victim so he cannot find that one thing, but he did find a motive in hate. Yes. And I, and I was that, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, how are they going to catch him? Like I was really, and, and how they catch him is fascinating. And, Absolutely. And, I, and, yeah. I even at one point when they, that had come up, I called bullshit on it, but then they said, no, no, Joey, we, we did think of that. And I was, I gave him a golf clap. I was very, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 said, I do well like how they tied it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, everyone's working together and say, we got to do it quickly because, I don't have anything on Montgomery and, you know, he could be skipping town at any moment. So we got to set everything up. So they get Leroy, who's this nervous kid. He was the one, I believe, who got the phone call. Yeah, from so Lo- that's from Leroy. Floyd. Yeah, from that's Floyd, Le- yeah. 
he's very nervous and Monty thinks he's very stupid, calls him a hillbilly. Mm-hmm. And they, they bring him in and say, help us do this. And this might be the only scene, especially when I was doing this second viewing, I realized how long it was. It didn't feel that long to me, though. It didn't feel long to me, Dan. No. But I will say, I was like, okay, I could take a moment here to walk around, do some things with my day because he's doing his, you know, he's appealing to him. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he's that, like that... a gun and everything. I cleaned my room. I brought it down some recycling. I'm coming up. He's still doing this feel. But it didn't feel long. It did not feel yeah. long. I'm just saying... Overall, if, if, it, yeah. if it does feel long to you, I, I did notice it, but it was just because of time, not because of how it actually felt. <laughs> okay, that's but, right. So they, they get him in, they, they appeal to his morals, and they say, you're going to have to go to Monty. You're going to have to get him on board. Uh, he catches him while he's shaving. Okay, he's got like shaving, half shaving cream on, cream on this yeah. scene, which is very great. And he said, uh, uh, Floyd got in touch with me, Monty. He gave me a crazy thing to tell you. He said to tell you the necktie wasn't any good. And to come see him at this apartment. And he shows him an address. And mm-hmm. so he, he goes over to where he killed Floyd. Well, actually, no, he goes to the cops first. Forgive me. Yes, he goes to the cops, yeah. To see if they found a body or, you know, hey, have you heard from him? And they say no because they're playing their game. And he heads over to, to where he killed Floyd. And he starts to get worried. He's asking, like, oh, I'm looking for my friends. He's very suspicious. And he starts to head down the stairs. But there's Finlay. And he said what's going on yeah oh i'm looking i'm looking for floyd well let's go go on up and see him then huh then this is where we find out how they did it because he said oh you know i just got shown the address from leroy and i I came here and they said oh is this the piece of paper that you saw Mm. yeah yeah that's the address is like this is the house next door actually and you decided to come here where we found this body so you knew where it was expertly done love that yes Love yeah, that, that. nice, nice little twist. Because yeah, again, I was like the whole time I'm thinking like, how are they going to tie him in with this, and how are they going to like? Because I know they're not going to get a confession out of him. Right. So I'm like, how are they really going to entrap this guy? Because they don't really have much of anything on him. They don't. No, have, they say that throughout um, the film. Yeah, they have no evidence on him. So um, not only is this a, a good movie, but it's a smart movie too. So yes. Tip of the hat to them. Uh, so Monty, he makes a run for it, and yep. he heads outside. Finlay, he smashes the window. With I like his that, gun, yeah. which is cool. He gets them right in the back. Yep. What was interesting is the cops that the, the cops that are down on the on the street that are there too. That because he runs out and then starts running and realizing that he's running right into more cops, so he runs the opposite direction. Yep. And it's interesting that like they, then they, he's they, able to get him. Right. And then but he's the one and he has like the, probably the worst vantage point of anybody, you know, comparative to the cops that are on the ground. But yeah, yeah, he's the one. He's the one that gets him as he's running the opposite direction. That's why he's the captain, Dan. That's true. Everything works. Finlay and, and Mitchum talk a little bit, and we all grab coffee. At the end. Yeah, let, uh, let me take you a coffee, and you got yeah, right one of the, in the sunset. One of the more happier endings in film noir, but you know, good. I was happy about this one. I was happy for that ending. Yeah, no, I, I think the only thing that I think was a little bit tough throughout the film was again just keeping keeping track of everybody. Even we had this, I think, even throughout the podcast, it's just it's tough keeping track of all the names because all the names crop up throughout the plot. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of players, but all their Absolutely. names kind of keep cropping up too. And you're like, you're, you're trying to, in your head, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's this guy. That's this guy's going to do this. That's this guy. You got Floyd. You a got lot's Leroy. happening. Like I said, when I had to do this, this write-up, I was shocked at how much I just was like, oh, I'm still typing, aren't I? Like yeah. as this movie's gone, I'm trying to catch everything as it's happening because it, it, it happens fast. I mean, this hour is only, uh, the movie is only an hour, yeah, hour 20. So you're in and out. It, it's not a slog. Gloria Graham did say that this was her favorite role. Glad to hear that. It's a good um, one. 
the writer John Paxton. He was actually an uncle to comic book writer Ed Brubaker, who's big, responsible for getting me into film noir, as I said uh, in the first episode. So oh, that's, that's cool. a fun fact. And actually his life inspired the 2013 comic he did with Sean Phillips, The Fade Out, which is a great old Hollywood film noir comic I recommend. Nice. Nice tie-in. Yes, thank you. I know. I was. I was. I knew that he had an uncle, but I didn't expect it to be this. The, <laughs> the U.S. Army showed this movie only at its U.S. bases, and the Navy would not show the movie whatsoever. Probably just because it was about the Army. Yes. <laughs> One change from the novel to the movie was uh, had nothing to do with a Jewishness. Um, it actually was had to do with homophobia. Mm-hmm. So yes, big, big change that was. Well, they never going to happen back then. Because the yeah, I was gonna say because the Hayes Code, they Hayes that, Code. that wouldn't have allowed that. And they were they were all over this. They had rejected this when they were trying to do do it straight, and th- every time they had to keep submitting change. Hayes Code, they they were against this one, and really just everybody <laughs> involved. Yeah. They didn't like uh, Adrian Scott, and they didn't like Dimitri. Yeah, which is the same because boy, they do great work. Keep these guys working. I loved it. Go get Crossfire, the Warner Archive Blu-ray available now. Just came out. Just came out for us, and by the time we this is out, it's been out for like a month or so. So yeah, the hype should have died down. You might be able to get a copy now. Yep. So much good Warner Archive stuff coming up. Oh yeah, quick yeah, change. I was, about, I was about to say that's the end of April, I believe that comes out. It is. Yeah, I already pre-ordered it. Yeah. Yep. Same. I got it through the new Amazon store, and Thundar Barbarian. I'm, I'm excited for that. That comes this week for me. Oh, I, yeah. I'm trying to think. I had another one. Um, uh, I had a I had a Val Luton one. Uh, oh yeah. What's it called? Uh, Isle of. Uh, why can't I think of it? My brain anymore. Now now that I'm uh, in front of the computer. Oh, and, also, I just uh, already X'd out of the description that I wrote up for this movie. So sorry, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Isle of the Dead. Isle uh, of the Dead. It's Val Luton, but Boris Karloff's in it. And this is one that I've actually been really wanting to see because I remember seeing clips of it and I was like, wow, this movie looks awesome. Like, That's out of, in April? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Wonderful. Um, yeah, very keep, soon. Keep us posted, Dan, on a future episode. I will. It, it, for nothing else, I, I'm, I have the Wikipedia page up here. It says, director Martin Scorsese placed Isle of the Dead on his list of the 11 scariest horror films of all time. Wow, okay. So that's, that's, some, that's some pretty... Uh, Pretty pretty good validity to it, I think. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I didn't know how I was going to feel about that recommendation. Not because I don't like uh, Scorsese, just because it was like you know they always got these lists and you're like whatever. But scariest, I like that. Yeah, like I said, like the clips I have seen in this movie look pretty cool. So like a Blu-ray, a nice Blu-ray print, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to. And Warner Archive does a great job as always. We're always hyping them, but and I, the, this Crossfire print was pristine. Oh, it looked amazing! The, amazing. Yes, especially uh, comparative to like watching the bonus feature. Because when they show clips yeah. of the movie, you see the comparison. You're like, wow, it really is like... Man, they never do restorations for bonus features, do they? It's so weird. Very rare. Yeah, very rare. Oh, well. That's oh, well. okay. It's nice yeah. to have it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's how we all feel about it. You'll take the hit, but maybe yeah. someday that'll happen. I mean, you know, you got to figure someone's going to be taking like a, a DVD extra and we're going to be so far beyond like 10K or whatever. And it's going to be like, you're going to need to upgrade that. It's going to look awful. So yeah. Who knows? But... Speaking of Blu-rays, I'm looking forward to seeing our next week's movie, Touch of Evil, 1958. Tell me who's in charge here. I guess you've heard of Hank Quinlan, our local police celebrity. 
are you trying to do? We're trying to strap you to the electric chair. You framed that boy. Framed him! This is Mrs. Vargas talking. I just wanted to make sure I wouldn't be disturbed. Don't you worry, Mrs. Vargas. Nobody's going to get through to you unless I say so. Are you telling me you never planted any evidence, Sergeant? Planting evidence? Framing suspects? That's a lie. I think I can prove it, Sergeant. What do I do? Keep after him. Break him. Break him. He's going to leave this town wishing he and that wife of his had never been born. by Orson Welles. We're giving him another chance. So for those who didn't like Lady from Shanghai, please come back and try Touch of Evil. I think you, you may be swayed. And if not, then that's it. It's just not going to happen. I think I think we'll be able to sway more. I mean, I think at least for this one, I have seen this one. So it's like, for, at least from my perspective, it's like, I, I really like this one a this lot. This was so. like the second or third film noir I ever saw. So yeah. I, it always holds a special place for me. I'm looking forward to, to getting into it. We got Charlton Heston, Janet Lee. Yes. It's a good time. Yeah, no, I, I think this is going to be a good one. I, and this is one I haven't actually watched in a very long time. So I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to rewatching this one for sure. I will tell you the last time I saw it next week. <laughs> and the next Can't time, wait. yes, it will be a good time. In the meantime, Dan, if I'm looking at watches, I say, take care. Here's the crime. Here's the crime. Ding.